For the past three years, Bristol has been one of nine sites working along the contextual safeguarding team at the University of Bedfordshire and Durham University in embedding a contextual safeguarding approach to extrafamilial harm. In 2020, they piloted an extensive location assessment in an area where there was suspected child sexual and criminal exploitation. The pilot included a range of partners from children's social care, the local voluntary and community sector, community safety, police and child exploitation teams. As part of the assessment, professionals engaged sex workers to act as community guardians for young people who were at risk. Today, I'm talking with Joe Ritchie and Laura Barrett. Both have been involved in sex worker guardianship work in Bristol over the past 16 months. So welcome both and thank you for speaking with me. Um, would you be able to just quickly introduce yourselves? Yeah, thank you for having us. So my name is Jo and um, I am the child sexual exploitation lead within Bristol City Council. So I'm based within the Safer Options Hub, which is Bristol's Violence Reduction Unit. So I've been doing this role for about two years. And prior to that, I was a child sexual exploitation project worker um, within Bernardo's um, base project, which is Bristol's commissioned service for working with our highest risk victims. And then prior to that, I worked with um, adult street sex workers in Bristol in various roles with the Bristol Drug Project and with 125, which is an organisation that supports street sex workers in the city. So that's a bit about me. Yeah, sorry. So, hi, I'm Laura. I am a police constable within Avon Somerset Police, and I currently work on Operation Topaz, which is the child criminal and sexual exploitation team. Um, I work on that as an engagement officer. Prior to that, I was a response officer for six years in and around the Bristol area, um, and I've worked alongside Operation Boss, which we'll explain later, which is a sex work operation. Great, thank you. That's really helpful. So, uh, to start off with, could you both just talk me through how the idea to engage sex workers as community guardians came about um, and just kind of talk me through what the aims of this piece of work was? Yeah, so as you said, in March 2020, there were lots of concerns raised by a police constable, actually, regarding the possibility of a group of children and young people being at risk of CSE and CCE, so child criminal and sexual exploitation, in the red light area. Um, and these observations prompted the beginnings of a large scale police operation. And alongside that, we started the neighbourhood assessment, as you mentioned. Um, so as part of that assessment, we um, we wanted to understand what was happening in that area. So it made sense to have um, conversations with people who lived and worked um, and spent time in that area. So we we wrote and did some surveys with residents, business owners, children and young people. Um, but what was really clear very quickly was that we needed to add in street sex workers. Um, yeah, they're very present in that particular area and it felt important to understand what they were seeing and, and what their concerns were. Um, so there was a team of us, a multi-agency team, who went out on the streets sometimes in the morning, the afternoon and the evening to capture as many different opinions and perspectives as possible. Um, and the women were just phenomenal, as expected. They um, yeah, I remember one particular woman that I spoke to, we had, before going out, we'd had a briefing from the police giving an overview of the current concerns in terms of the exploitation risks to this particular cohort of young people. 
And it was as if she had been at the briefing. She relayed lots of very specific and clear concerns. But she ended our conversation with saying, well, what can we do? How can we help? And it really stuck with me. And I think we felt actually, do you know what, probably you could be a real key part of the solution. And her, alongside all the other women we spoke to, were really keen to be. Um, So as Molly mentioned, obviously part of our plan was to look at sustainable long-term solutions as to how we could safeguard children and young people in this area, rather than just thinking about that particular cohort that we're being focused on within the current police operation. Um, And the contextual safeguarding approach would recommend that guardians already based in that area should be equipped to kind of support with that aim. And it was really clear that the women um, were in a prime position to be able to do that and that they were really willing to and and wanting to be part of that. Um, So I guess, yeah, the conversations we had with them, they were incredibly helpful, incredibly insightful. It was really obvious that they've got eyes, ears and understanding that we don't. And they seemed really keen to be part of our plan to keep children and young people safe. Um, And I I guess we suspect that their knowledge and experiences are likely to mean that they can probably more easily identify when a young person is at risk of being harmed than we can. Um, And like I said, they expressed such a willingness um, to be viewed as some form of guardian and struggled to know how they could effectively share concerns when they arise. And so that was when that was kind of the beginnings of this programme. How what could what could we create that? would mean that they could be a part of that. So in response to all those conversations, we had a meeting. It was a multi-agency group met in November 2020. And we considered various ways that we could include women as part of the solution. Um, And integral to that meeting, so there was um, obviously children's services, the police, um, 125, which is an organisation in Bristol, which specifically supports adult street sex workers. Bernardo's Base Project, um, who are a commission service that work with our highest risk CSE victims. Um, And obviously the contextual safeguarding research team were there as well. Um, But integral to that group really were Emma Slade and Tina Newman. And Laura is going to explain who they are because they're part of the police. And it was in that conversation that they they talked about bringing Laura along as well. So I'll hand over to you. Yeah, so um, Emma Slade is the sergeant. So Sergeant Emma Slade, she's responsible for policing sex work within Bristol. Um, And Tina Newman is a police officer. uh, Well, she's specifically sex work liaison officer. Um, And they run operations, specifically Operation Boss. Um, So Operation Boss is specifically targeted at our surrounding sex work um it's a plain clothes operation plain car um it's essentially an engagement shift really um an engagement operation in order to kind of safeguard the women gather intelligence and disrupt criminal activity that's essentially what that is and that's i guess how they've kind of become involved in this because they're always getting intelligence from the women and they know they know them best really they've built such good rapport um and it's such it's such a good operation that they run, isn't it, really? Yeah, it works really well, I think, because it's got that mix of safeguarding and disruption at the same time. And the women are really on board with it um, and yeah. really pro it. Yeah, they've built such good relationships between the police and, and the women. And 
it's it's such it's such a good operation to run. But I guess that's where I kind of become involved because whilst I was on response policing, um, I was involved with Oper- Operation Boss for about five years. So um, I'd, I'd also built that rapport with the women. So, of course, joining the sexual exploitation team on Topaz, that was kind of just a natural thing for me to become involved in. So that's how that happened. And I guess as well, being part of the Topaz team now, it just made so much sense. It was like the perfect experience in terms of you had the experience of being on response and having those relationships with with the women already, which we'll come on to in terms of building that trust. It can take, understandably and rightly so, some time. Um, And she had them already established, but then also was part of the current um, child exploitation team. Um, And obviously the aim of the programme is to safeguard children and young people. So actually coming on to the aims. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I guess we've, we've covered them, but the main aims were to increase safety for children and young people who spend time in that particular area of the city. Um, like we just said, to, pil- to build positive and trusting relationships with the women, um, to empower them, to recognise that they are really valued members of the community who have skills and knowledge that can play an integral role in safeguarding children. And I think that, to be honest, has been one of the most wonderful parts of the operation because I think it's just been so important for them to be viewed as a a safeguarding solution in the community. I think it's quite an unusual um, situation. Uh, Other aims were to educate them, Uh, about the signs to look out for and to give them a variety of options in in ways that they can report worries that they have and also I guess do you want to talk about the last one in terms of the police? Yeah um, I guess as well what's what is really important that is that we we want to gather information intelligence surrounding sexual um, exploitation concerns Um, you know that helps us put effective plans in place to be able to to disrupt any activity to safeguard young people and and the women um and just make make it a safe place for everybody really to be in so that was one of one of the main aims there um of course it it helps us safeguard the women as well when whenever needed especially having built that report yeah absolutely i mean it's such an exciting project and i think just thinking about kind of the process of of how it was developed and the the acknowledgement from professionals as to how valuable these women are in the community actually and, and the knowledge that they hold about the community um not only is it is it you know helping safeguard young people but is it actually so empowering to the women who who spend so much time in this community and know so much about how things operate and and where safety is and where risk might be and so it's a really exciting project um, you, you've touched upon uh, some of the people who've been involved in delivering the work, but do you have kind of a broad overview of, of who else has been involved? Because I know there were a number of partners. Yeah, I guess in terms of the planning stages, obviously key to it were the women themselves. Um, we, as part of the survey, spoke to a number of the women. Um, and then it was very much a multi-agency approach to begin with. So, I, yeah, um, within the police, there were a number of different yeah um a lot a lot of different departments really within the police so we've obviously got operation topaz who i'm currently working um for um local beat teams for example sergeant uh, emma slade and her team on operation boss um tina newman sexual liaison officer we've obviously had involved response officers and 
certain different tasking teams that have all kind of helped helped and got on board with it and it's been it's been really good response hasn't it yeah definitely I feel like the police has been police has been really behind this program from the get-go which has been so helpful in terms of them releasing resources and allowing us to kind of join operations that are already running yeah I I think it's it's, I mean it's for things like this to work it's got to be a, a joint approach from everybody and everybody does have to be on board so you know from response who are marked in in uniform you know they get involved where they can but then of course it has to be different departments where it is plain clothes we are more approachable and yeah it's it's, it's been a good joint approach yeah and then in, in addition obviously i said about 125 and bernardo's base project and the contextual safeguarding team so they were the main ones who were involved in the planning side so in terms of delivery, it's been very much us two, Laura and myself, and Emma and Tina have been really key to it as well, the officers that Laura's already mentioned. And in more recent months, very much the operation boss team. Um, I wonder whether, Laura, it might be helpful for you to explain how that looks in terms of how our role fits with what they're doing. Yeah, so um, Joe and I were obviously going out on these engagement shifts um, sometimes with Emma and Tina just as kind of two cars on our own Um, but what we found was uh, there were certain challenges coming across I suppose um, in terms of having meaningful conversations or having time to have conversations with the women which we'll go into but that was where the idea came up to maybe work alongside Operation Boss. Um, I know I've mentioned it before but um, where it comes from is they as a team disrupt the, the kind of the activity going on um, which then allows us to separate both parties so um that so that was a really good opportunity for us then to step in and be able to then speak to the women um and have those proper conversations and build that rapport and quite often they're really willing to have those conversations i guess because they've got their money yeah, yeah, I think they're not under so much pressure um, to be working at that point, and that's what we kind of had to really think about. Is you know when we when we're just bothering them, just pulling up, you know, when they're trying to to work and get money, it, it wasn't really effective, was it? In a, to be able to have proper conversations with them. So, for example, um, when we were out on one shift, we were able to disrupt the activity, and then. We had one woman, didn't we, who we gave a lift home and it was about a 15 minute car journey. Yeah, and I think she's one that we've gradually, well, we've we've both known her from our previous roles, but yeah. we've got to know her in more depth in terms of the engagement shift. But we've never had that opportunity to have real detailed conversation about any concerns that she might have. And actually, the way that it worked was Operation Boss. So there's... um Two officers watch the CCTV. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sorry. So um, it'll be monitored on CCTV. Um, So the people in CCTV can see everything that's going on within the, say, the red light areas. Um, They can see when where the women are. So obviously that's good in terms of safeguarding. We know what's going on, but they can see when they get picked up, whether it's by foot or by car. Um, and that then helps us to be able to disrupt on Operation Boss so we can either follow the vehicle that the, the women get into or follow the on foot, anything like that. Um, once that's done, we will then disrupt that activity straight away or 
Do the women know that there's three they, minutes, don't they? They do. We normally, yeah, we normally do give it a, a few minutes and they know that, I suppose. <laughs> they know that they've got to agree business and get their money. Yeah. And then hopefully the yeah. aim is that the police then intervene before they have to do anything. That's, yeah, that's what they'd like to happen, isn't it? So they, yeah. they know a lot of the times. And I guess actually that's not a bad thing because they, they've always said they felt much safer, haven't they? Yeah, so there was one particular situation a couple of shifts ago, actually, where there was a woman who was taken quite far away from the red light area and we were following behind. And I mentioned when when we spoke to her after, both of us said, oh, we were really worried yeah. that he was taking you quite far away. And she said, oh, I was starting to feel a bit scared, but I looked in the mirror and I could see that you were behind and it and it made me feel safer. So it it is something that the women are really on board with. And I mm-hmm. guess because they've got their money, Mm-hmm. they've then got a bit of time they're not desperate to then get back out straight onto the streets and with her and with other women I guess that sometimes there are those opportunities to give them a lift home if they've then got enough money um or or drive them back to the area and it's kind of a much safer place within the car to then be able to have in-depth conversations if they've got concerns about children and young people um so yeah that's that's how the delivery is at the moment in a roundabout way um yeah (laughs) that's great I mean it definitely it sounds very much like it's working alongside the women and and kind of working in a way that fits in with what they're doing and not kind of doing to them and trying to kind of disrupt and extract information from them it's very much kind of led by what they're able to offer and what they're willing to and it sounds like a lot of them are really willing to to kind of contribute to this program which is really exciting and so because um, I suppose one thing that's that's always going to be a concern in this area of work is safeguarding the women as well. And so it sounds like that's that's absolutely central to the way that it's being delivered. Oh, totally. And we you know, there's lots of ways that we've looked at that. Like we wouldn't, for example, even begin to talk about concerns around CSE and CE if there are significant safeguarding concerns in that moment for that particular woman or if it was really evident that it just wasn't the right time to have that conversation. We would just totally be focusing on her welfare um but yeah i think it it works well and it's yeah i think that that's that's like um from from the guardianship scheme and from an operation boss point of view like the main focus as in this kind of area of work is we know that you know these women are some of the most vulnerable and marginalized in society and that's that's what you've got to keep at the forefront of your mind when doing this kind of this kind of this kind of work really yeah, absolutely. And it's, it, it sounds like that's definitely at the forefront of this work, but also that um, it's something that the women can kind of engage in safely, but also kind of with a lot of enthusiasm in, in some cases. Um, and they're you know keen to do what they can to be guardians to these young people, which is really encouraging. Um, so I'm just we've kind of talked about um, you've talked about so much on the delivery um, and, and how this looks now. Um I'd like to kind of think about what your expectations were for this work and, and what's actually been happening. Has it been going as expected? Um, have there been any kind of highlights that you'd like to talk about or any barriers that you've had to, to doing this work? Yeah, I think it has gone as we expected. I would say it was quite slow to begin with, which is understandable because the women needed to take their time to understand what the whole programme was about and to, you know there, there were relationships that I had with women from a long time ago and 
helpfully <laughs> Laura then kind of took over when I stopped doing outreach years ago Laura then became a response officer and then built relationships with the next um, group of women but I guess there yeah. were new women out that we didn't know and it's obviously needed they've needed to take their time to build trust with us um, but I think it's worked well having consistent faces knowing that I think the women we were out last night and they know what we're about now. We don't really yeah. need to explain it. The ones that we've seen a number of times. Um, and, you know, sometimes they say, no, we've got nothing that we need to share about young people. But sometimes they say, oh, we've been waiting for you to come out. I've got something that I need to let you know. Mm -hmm. So that that's working well. Um, I guess we've developed it as it's gone on. So I think... Um, Trial and error, hasn't it, really? It's been a bit of trial and error. Yeah, I think we've tried to work out what what is helpful for the women. So actually, basics, like how can we make them feel cared for? Hot chocolate. <laughs> like mm -hmm. Actually, it's cold out there. And, um, yeah, that's like a really nice way just to kind of think of them, I guess. So we've, we've introduced hot chocolate. We've introduced giving out condoms, and that's very much from me as a social worker, not from Laura as a police officer. Yeah. So we're quite clear about that. But again, it's it's about harm reduction. So we hand out condoms. We've started handing out hand sanitizer, which has been really popular. Um, yeah. We also we recognised um, that there are a number of occasions where women seemed a bit concerned about taking on our contact numbers they kind of started talking about worries that they had but then felt it was clear that they were uncomfortable and worried about who might be listening in or who might be watching them so we came up with an idea well say we that was definitely joe's idea <laughs> well we we put um we created barcodes um with our contact numbers on which we've put on lighters so that we, if the women do have information they want to share with us, but they don't feel able to talk in detail on the street, then they're not, they haven't got the time to sit with us there and then. We can give them a lighter, which has got the, the subtle contact number on there, and they can phone us through that. And they've been really receptive to that, actually. That's worked it's, so well. Yeah. And I think just that little thing, you know, if you've got to think, with, especially if it's on the side of a road, they feel unsafe you don't know who's watching them whether that be a dealer or anything you know it could look quite suspicious to somebody if if i'm writing something down it could look like they're telling us things anything um so just by handing them a lighter that you know that just changes everything and well yeah that's been great for them hasn't it yeah and i guess in terms of what's going well we've definitely seen in recent months a, a huge increase in information sharing and i think that's really coincided with them building trust in what the program is and in having us particularly going out having the familiar consistent faces so that's obviously myself laura but also tina and emma um so we've had an increase of information sharing verbally on the streets just little snippets that they they felt able to give us um we've had uh, referrals through first response which is our kind of front door for children's services um we've had um yeah them engaging in the car obviously once in in more detail um and we've had examples where women have said that they do want to speak to us but can we arrange to meet with them away from the streets where they either we could meet with them at 125 or at their accommodation um during the daytime so that's that's been really great to see that come through um yeah i think as well like with all like 
as Joe said about the the increase of information, it, it's just so good for. Um, I, I guess from a policing perspective, we can build that bigger picture of what's actually going on. And the more intel that we can put into the system, it just helps to safeguard, you know, children, young people, the women, members of the public. Um, it's it's just been fantastic, that part. And it definitely has been an increase, especially with now the women know who we are. They, they're more than happy to come up and talk to us, aren't they? Yeah, well, we had an example a, a few weeks ago, which I think was a really powerful one. So it was a woman that we've got to know really well, and she had clearly been waiting for us to be out. And she got in the car. Um, it was quite funny. What was this weird? She saw yeah. us and she said, "I'm coming with you." So she jumped <laughs> in the car. And we were driving along with our hot chocolates, having a bit of a catch up, a check in with her after what had just happened for herself. But then she then said. I've been waiting to see you. I've got some information I want to share. And she gave some really shocking, horrendous, but helpful intelligence. Yeah. Um, yeah, she she shared information, I suppose, um, that was about a, a perpetrator that had approached herself, um, uh, asking her if she knew of any young people that um, maybe would be working um so of course that is hugely concerning um and it's something that we have to act on straight away but of course if that if, if this scheme wasn't there that would have never happened um so uh, from a policing perspective of course that information's acted on and um resources are put into that so yeah and she was able to give us really specific details yeah um and what was interesting was that Emma then later said that they had had a similar concern raised by another woman, which kind of added to the, this picture of concern. So, yeah, we've, we've had that. Um, I mean, last night when we were out, there were two 15 year olds. Yeah. In uh, Quite a, not very, not very, not an area of our time that um, you'd necessarily deem OK, was it? No. So kind of made sure that they got home safe. So there's a lot of kind of safeguarding that that goes on in various different ways. And, um, yeah, we've had women also talk about situations in the past where one of them talked about um, a child being brought to an address and what they did. And actually, we were able to say, oh, that's interesting that you did that. And I can see why you did that. But if that were to happen again, we would strongly recommend that you phone 999 that you have all these different variety of ways that you can feed in information so I guess there's been lots of opportunities to kind of educate them and that wasn't really clear that would have been a 999 call but there have been lots of other situations where we've been able to give the women many different ways in which they can feed information in so obviously there's crime stoppers if they want to remain anonymous there's virus obviously having our contact details or through Tina and Emma, who they know really well anyway. Yeah. Um, we've talked about obviously meeting up with them away from the streets. Um, there's an online portal which uh, links to Laura's team, um, which if they felt more comfortable, they could go to the drop in that is linked to 125 and, and either themselves or with support of their caseworker feed information in that way. They could phone 101. And um, I guess what we try and do is talk about the sort of scenarios that we would we would hope that they would be sharing because I think it's really important to recognise that a number of them probably have been victims of CSE and CCE themselves which is likely understandably to impact their awareness and their understanding of it and so um, 
we've been giving very specific examples. So if you were to see someone who you think is 17 years old getting in a car with a punter, we would want you to get to a safe place where no one could hear you, but call 999, give them the reg details. Um, we've given examples about CCE, haven't we, in terms of... Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's like, Jess, you've got to be quite sensitive and and be able to say in a way that's not going to kind of trigger anything and um, mm. for the women. Um, but yeah, so we've done it in ways that kind of works best and that's sort of understanding. And it's, it's, yeah, that's worked well, to be fair, hasn't it? And, yeah, and I would say with that, I think it's been... It's been important, I think, for some of the women to say, yeah, I was let, well, first to acknowledge you were let down, you weren't kept mm-hmm. safe, but actually you can be part of the solution to prevent children from, I guess, being in the position that they're in now. And that's very much what quite a few of them have, have said. They, they they don't want to see them out there in in years to come. Um makes them kind of feel part, part of it as well. So, you know, we're all working together, in, including yourselves and or them um and i guess that that approach has, has worked because that's that's the truth of it really yeah and i think part of what's been really important for them to understand is to know what sort of response might happen if they are to share information so obviously we can't give feedback about individual cases but we've been able to give general feedback as to what would happen you know what children's services might do, what the police might do, what specialist services there are now in Bristol. We've got a wealth of services that can um, provide really wonderful input where there are children who are at such high risk of of exploitation um, and think about some of the disruption that the police might be doing. So we give general explanations as to what their bits of information, the ripple effects of that, how huge they can be, and not just to that particular child, but to multiple children yeah so yeah yeah I, don't, I was thinking um about um as you as you were talking I was thinking about how much awareness the women had of, of what the information that they were sharing would be used for um so that's really encouraging to kind of hear that that's central to the delivery as well to kind of um empower the women to know that actually what difference the information that they're sharing makes and, and how it might be used um it's really really exciting um so I guess I'm thinking about uh, those who are listening to the podcast who might be thinking about doing similar types of guardianship work. Um, what would you do differently if you were to develop this again? Um, and do you have any advice for those who might be interested in underca- undertaking community guardianship work or even working with um, with sex workers in this way? Um, yes, yeah, so I think in terms of what might we do differently, um, I guess at first it was a case of we had to just try and trial and error sort of thing. Um, but maybe in the beginning, start going out on a bit of a more regular basis um, so that, you know, we see all, all the different women out. Um, some days it's, there's not very many. Some days there's a lot. So I think more regular basis, show our faces a bit more and have a mixture of different days. Um, that would have helped, wouldn't it? Yeah, definitely. And I I guess we purposefully kept the team quite small so that we could build the trust. But yeah. it is at the moment quite dependent on me, Laura, Tina and Emma. So, yeah, um, but yeah, I think that's that's. Yeah, we could have kind of expanded, maybe had a few more people on board so that initially those faces were all familiar. Because, you know, sometimes it's just Joe and I, isn't it, that are just there. So if we weren't there, then you know, who else would go out. So I think maybe have a few more or try and get a few more people on board. Uh, that would have been 
something that we could have tried to do differently, I suppose. Or something we can do moving forward. Yes, put it positively. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, and I guess, well, in terms of advice, if people were considering doing a similar programme, there were definitely some particular areas which we we briefly covered, but one obviously at the heart of it is considering the women's safety. um, And we put a lot of thought into that. so making sure that the programme in no way hopefully puts the women at increased risk of harm. Um, you know, making sure, for example, like with one of them the other day, she started to get a bit worried about what someone might be thinking our conversation was about. So it was important for us to have a cover story to give her that she could say to him. Um, us being really mindful of the environment, you know, being led by them, their body language. There might be some nights that... They're really open and really willing to talk and they're clearly in, they feel safe to talk. And it might be we see them on the next shift and they wave us on. And actually, it's really important that we're led by them with that. And so that, yeah. that would be some advice we would definitely share. Um, yeah, I guess, like what Laura said, the need to acknowledge that some of them might have been sexually or criminally exploited themselves in their childhoods. And there is a risk, therefore, of them being triggered when we talk about this so I guess just us noticing those signs and being really sensitive in the way that we talk about it and and yeah responding in in the best way appropriate you know saying to them for example if there is if 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 this has um supported you to recognize that you were a victim of sexual exploitation in your childhood it's not too late for you to speak up it's not too late for you to 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 talk to the police about what's happened to you um and just yeah making sure that they've got support around them if if it does bring up um something and i guess the other thing is just being a bit mindful that there is the chance that some of the women might have been quite skillfully groomed themselves and there's the a little possibility that they might have links to dangerous perpetrators and some involvement in supporting them to access children and young people very much as a consequence of them being incredibly vulnerable and very skillfully groomed um you know not not at fault but i guess it's important to hold that in mind if you were to do a similar program um but yeah we would just say give it a go i think we've we've loved it and it's been great hasn't it it's been such a well, it's such a great opportunity, it's such a good scheme, and yeah, it's it's, it's working. Got, yeah, it, yeah, it seems to be. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 so interesting to hear all about it in so much detail as well, and I think it's so clear that the relationship building with the women is absolutely at the heart of what you've been doing, um, and actually kind of taking the time to build those relationships. And I know that you have some existing already. Um, but taking the time to kind of do that in a way that means that the women are leading on how information is being shared and, and what what they're willing to share with you at what time. And, and the empathy that comes along with that, I think, is just so exciting and inspiring. And it's it's such a wonderful piece of work. It's it's really great to hear it all about. Um, so thank you so much for doing this today. It's been super interesting um, and we look forward to hearing how it goes in the future. Thank you. Thank you very much.